Hello, everybody. Welcome back to a Christmas edition of Hummus Tailgate Party. I'm your host, Thomas Jackson. Uh, Merry Christmas, everybody. Hope everyone's having a nice time with their friends and family back at homes. Uh, today's episode, we're going to be previewing the rest of the bowl games up uh, up to the college football playoff semifinals. I'm going to have my little brother, Will Knight, on the podcast with me to uh, preview some of those games as I'm here at home. So sit back, enjoy, and happy holidays, everybody. Thomas Jackson, beautiful podcast from Denver. It's been a little while since I recorded. Uh, the last one was right after the college football playoff came out the day after conference championship games. So quickly, a little schedule going forward as we uh, wrap up the season. The semifinal games are on New Year's Eve, um, so I'm going to do a episode recapping that and any other big action that happened in some of those New Year's Bowl games. Uh, probably that like January 3rd, that Monday or so, and then later that week come out with a national championship preview episode, and then uh, after that we'll do a recap of the Natty and possibly uh, one last episode to put a cap on the season as we head into January. Um, So since we have been taking a little break, uh, I'm going to just quickly hit all of the more so off-the-field stuff that has happened, which there's been a lot of it. First of all, Bryce Young won the Heisman Trophy. He was the fourth Alabama player to win the award, uh, all under Nick Saban. Surprisingly, he was the first quarterback uh, from Alabama to win out of those four, um, which is pretty unique since it's a quarterback-centric award nowadays, but Alabama's had two running backs and a receiver win it. Um, This would have been pretty uh, surprising to me if you told me that Bryce was going to win it, you know, a month or two ago, especially earlier in the season. He was always playing really well, but you just thought that someone who probably had a little more experience was going to take it from him, but with the final drive in the Iron Bowl, and then of course the Georgia game is when he really won it, but those two um, performances back-to-back when the whole country was watching really sealed the trophy, and it helped that it was just a defender and a couple, you know, players that were, uh, you know, Kenny Pickett from Pittsburgh and C.J. Stroud from Ohio State, who the Buckeyes, they just kept going strong. At the end of the season, he would have had a really good chance to win it as well, but since the Buckeyes kind of tapered off and Pittsburgh wasn't really in the playoff discussion, Um, and Aiden Hutchinson was a defensive player at all, just kind of fell nicely into Bryce's lap as things finished up down the the stretch of the season. So uh, the coaching carousel, a lot has happened. Uh, We touched on a few of the changes in the last episode. I believe we hit uh, Lincoln Riley, uh, what's his name, Billy Napier at Florida, and Brian Kelly. Since then, um, those schools have filled in their gaps, plus a couple other hires have been made. The high-profile ones are Marcus Freeman being promoted from within at Notre Dame. By all accounts, this sounds like a good hire that the players are really going to enjoy playing for, and it seems like Notre Dame is probably going to pick up where they left off and maybe take a new, more slightly more progressive direction um, now that they get going past the Kelly regime. Brett Venables finally gets poached from Clemson. It felt like he was going to stay there forever. It felt a lot like Kirby Smart at Alabama, just with how successful he was at a top-tier program. Um, And, you know, it's surprising that he didn't get hired anywhere before this, but maybe he was just waiting on this job in particular. I'm sure he was surprised when Lincoln Riley left, but he was at Oklahoma from 1999 to 2011, He worked his way up from being a low-level assistant to the defensive coordinator at Oklahoma, and then he was at Clemson from 2012 to 2021. And outside of the couple really, really talented Clemson quarterbacks that we've seen over the past several seasons, Clemson's defense has been one of, you know, if not the best in the country over the past decade, and that's all to thank uh, for, or Venables is to thank for that, so... He's uh, probably going to bring a slightly different approach to the Sooners, which maybe they could use given how they've, much like Notre Dame, kind of you know hit a plateau where they can get to the playoff, but there's a big gap between them and the other playoff teams, such as Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. 
he's a great recruiter. It helps that he was at Clemson for so long because Clemson is really an you know SEC territory and they recruit super heavy in uh, SEC states, especially Atlanta is the big one. Um, so with Oklahoma moving to the SEC, Venables is going to be familiar with a lot of that SEC territory already. So I think he'll be able to recruit that area probably more comfortably than, say, if Lincoln Riley had stayed and he wasn't as used to going into some of the big-time cities in the South to get players to come to his program. Lastly, on the coaching carousel, Mario Cristobal did, in fact, leave Oregon for Miami. It's an exciting hire for the Canes, um, but, you know, it was quite a disaster with how the Manny Diaz tenure ended there in Coral Gables. Miami's administration handled it like a bunch of four-year-olds, frankly, and they treated him with absolutely no respect. Um, They were conducting the coaching search very openly and publicly before they had fired him, and it seems like if they didn't get Cristobal, they would have kept Diaz, which, you know, I'm like, it all worked out for him in the end, I, you know, presume, but if they had not landed Cristobal and Manny Diaz had been retained on that staff, that would have made their recruiting situation a total disaster. It was kind of like when athletic directors come out and say, yeah, we're not firing our head coach, which, you know, means they're just going to get fired the next season. That's a lot what it felt like. Um, And they probably would have had to have one of those press conferences after how open they were about looking for a new coach you know, all indicators suggest that Cristobal should be able to build a really strong program there at Miami. He's going to be able to bring in some great recruiting classes, no doubt. He's passionate about that program. That's why he left such a great job like Oregon to go back home. He played at Miami on some of those teams back in the 90s. Um, but, you know, we'll see if it can translate to wins and losses at the end of the day because Miami's made. Some pretty exciting hires in the past that just have not panned out for him. So it's an interesting project to say the least. I'm rooting for him. I've always liked Cristobal, but if things go south, I just hope that Miami doesn't do to him what they did to Manny Diaz. So only time will tell. Next, uh, the transfer portal has been a huge topic of discussion as of late, uh, especially just so many quarterbacks. I think there were like 18 of the 60 Power 5 schools quarterbacks had at least entered the transfer portal most of them have found homes by now although not all as it's just like a really crazy game of musical chairs being played with all these guys switching schools and trying to find somewhere where they can go and play uh, right off the bat but it's just it's complicated Uh, so Spencer Rattler was probably the biggest um, profile player of course he was expected to win the Heisman and get taken in the first round of the draft before his Season imploded Oklahoma last year, but he's going to meet up with his former coach uh, at South Carolina. I tweeted out, of course, there was speculation about um, how Rattler might go to be with Lincoln Riley at USC. And so when he committed to South Carolina, I tweeted out, Lincoln is not going to uh, be reunited with his former coach at USC, kind of playing on the words with... USC and South Carolina, and then Bennett Page replied to me on Twitter and reminded me that while that my statement was true, also Spencer Rattler was going to be reunited with a former coach at USC because Shane Beamer was uh, a coach at Oklahoma before he took the South Carolina job. So him and Rattler have a connection. That's probably why he ended up in Columbia but just kind of a funny little uh, play on words there with both he is and is not going to be reunited with a former coach at USC being true. Next, uh, Bo Nix is committing to Oregon for the next season. This was a pretty shocking um, transfer, at least to me. I feel like probably most people, but... You know, Bo Nix just has the Auburn creed pouring through his veins. He's an Auburn man through and through. Obviously, all the family history there at the university. He was such a huge, high-profile recruit that grew up in the state. Um, And he's just had a really strange run there on the plains, just with the coaching change and the ups and the downs. It's been... um, 
he's leaving a kind of, you know, roller coaster legacy there, which I don't know. I don't know how Auburn fans feel about it looking back on it, but people were definitely hot and cold on him, uh, you know, throughout his career there. But I did not see him going to Oregon. I I I thought maybe he would fit well at Texas A&M. Uh, we'll get to their transfer quarterback that they landed here in a second. But um, <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe he just wants to get far away from the SEC, kind of leave all this Auburn baggage far away, get far away from home and, you know, all of the distractions that I'm sure come with being a five-star quarterback in the state of Alabama with, you know, your dad having played at Auburn. He certainly had huge expectations and you saw some potential, but ultimately they weren't ever to really get to the heights. I think they hoped with Bo. Um, but I think that, you know, there's a lot of upside. I mean, he's a super talented quarterback. He's good on his feet. I think he'll probably fit well into the, um, He'll probably fit well into the Oregon offense, but they have a couple of other really talented quarterbacks, so it's not guaranteed that he's even going to be able to start. So that quarter, internal uh, quarterback competition for the Ducks is going to be really interesting to keep an eye on over the offseason because it's just a very, very crowded quarterback room there. Um, you know, If he does get on the field, uh, we might be able to see what his – ceiling is as far as his playing potential Auburn's offense especially under Gus Malzahn had a tendency to be kind of suffocating to a lot of quarterbacks that you know weren't Cam Newton or Nick Marshall and uh, made some guys like Bo and Stidham you know probably look a little worse than they really were so maybe if he gets in a more coherent system at Oregon he can be a little more consistent and if that's the case then I think he'll, he'll do really well um, a couple more interesting notes Oh yeah, so Auburn's offensive course, I should have mentioned this earlier, Auburn's offensive coordinator from 2019 is at Oregon now, so that's the connection that Bo had to there. Um, so they go back, and Oregon opens up with Georgia in Atlanta in the 2022 season on Labor Day weekend, so even without all of the these other kind of side connections between those two teams that have recently formed, that's a really high-profile, exciting matchup. Of course, Bo Nix's first start and win of his career was when Auburn beat Oregon in, uh, I think that was in Dallas, uh, back a couple years ago in the 2019 season. And one more connection between those two schools, Oregon and Georgia. Oregon just hired Georgia's head coach, Dan Lanning, or Georgia's defensive coordinator, sorry, Dan Lanning, uh, as obviously Cristobal departed for Miami, as we already discussed. <laughs> Moving on. Both LSU quarterbacks, Max Johnson, Max Johnson and Miles Brennan, both entered the transfer portal. Uh, Miles Brennan recently announced that he is going to be staying at LSU. However, Max Johnson, the younger of the two, went to Texas A&M. So now they have a super crowded quarterback room. Uh, Calzada already announced that he was putting his name into the transfer portal. This was like two weeks ago when Calzada entered the portal and he still has not found another home. I mentioned how this was kind of like musical chairs. I think Max Johnson committed to A&M relatively late in all of these transfer uh, portal shift arounds, which led to Calzada entering his name in the portal really late. And probably some of the places, maybe like Pittsburgh, where Keaton Slovis uh, from USC ended up transferring. Maybe a lot of the places he was looking at already found another quarterback in the portal. So that is tough for him on the you know musical chairs comparison. Maybe all the chairs got filled and he was the last man standing. He'll obviously find a home somewhere, but I don't know if he'll be starting. Uh, but yeah, Max Johnson is now going to be uh, competing with a couple other Really talented and highly recruited Texas A&M quarterbacks that committed to that school, so it wouldn't be surprising to see one or two of them uh, enter the transfer portal at some point, you know, maybe this offseason, but certainly after next, uh, with now how how busy the room, the quarterback situation is in College Station. And lastly, we have Dylan Gabriel from UCF transferring to UCLA. Uh 
I feel like a broken record, but now UCLA is going to have a crowded quarterback room because DTR, who was their guy this whole year, can still come back for another season, and I assume that he will because he's not going to be a real high draft pick uh, if he decides to take a chance at the uh, at the league. But yeah, uh, Gabriel is a great, talented quarterback that I think a lot of schools would have really liked to have. Um, he should be able to thrive in Chip Kelly's system, but now he's going to have to compete with the incumbent there at UCLA, who's very talented himself. So we shall see about that. Quick update on our Bull Pick'em League before we get to the bowl game preview. Andrew Dindy is absolutely burning down the board. He is 10-4 and and in the lead uh, right now. Owen Clark, who, uh, as some of you probably know, I don't know if he watched a single snap and probably hasn't listened to a single second of this podcast all year. Uh, he picked the logo. He picked all of his games based on who had the cooler looking logo, is in second place at 9-6, and six, and then it gets really busy with a lot of people in the pack um, at eight and seven or seven and eight, and then a few scragglers down there at the bottom. But good job to especially Andrew and Owen so far, and we'll keep our eye on this as we go forward. Uh, now we are going to welcome on my little brother, Will Knight. He is an eighth grader at Hampton Cove Middle School, and glad to have him joining the podcast for the first time to talk about some bowl games. All right, welcome to the pod, William. Thank you very much. So before we start previewing all the games, uh, we're going to be talking about some spreads, and it should go without saying that these are super subject to change with how many opt-outs, and especially now with the unpredictability of the COVID variant that is kind of ravaging the country Um, already. The uh, Texas A&M Aggies have had to withdraw from their, as Hamas Tailgate Party predicted, Gator Bowl appearance against Wake Forest. Um, Wake Forest actually got Rutgers to fill in that slot so they can still play, uh, but Texas A&M, they had a lot of opt-outs in the first place because they've got quite a few dudes going to the draft, uh, but that combined with COVID, they just decided to hang it up for the season. On Georgia, JT Daniels tested positive. On Alabama, Bill O'Brien and Doug Marone, both coaches, uh, tested positive. And just uh, more recently, Memphis and Hawaii got canceled yesterday on Christmas Eve because Hawaii had COVID outbreak and it sounded like every other problem under the sun with that program. So who knows how bad the COVID outbreak actually was, not to minimize anything of people getting sick, but it sounded like they just wanted to be done with that season uh, before they even played their bowl game. So congratulations on Memphis for getting a free trip to Hawaii. That's a pretty, pretty sweet draw right there. Um, and one more thing before we get to the bowl games, they announced a few days ago the protocols and uh, kind of conditions for the college football playoff if COVID ends up being a factor on the teams. Um, so I'll just go over those really quickly, and then once I get done reading through everything, I'll ask Will here about his thoughts on those, and we'll get to the get to the bowls. So if one team is ruled out because of COVID in a semifinal game, they're going to have to forfeit and the other team will advance to the final. If both teams in one of the semifinal games are ruled out, um, looking at you, Georgia and Michigan going to Miami over New Year's, hopefully those players aren't out partying on South Beach and enjoying the town. Um, But if both teams in one semifinal game are ruled out then the other semifinal game just becomes the national championship i'm not sure if they would postpone it or change the location or anything i think they would just play it as is and the winner of that is the winner of the whole thing if three teams are ruled out then the fourth team who is fine is just declared the national champion without even playing a game um and then let's see so those are all kind of semifinal scenarios the couple final scenarios that I have ruled down. So if 
a semifinal, say we get through the semifinals without any issues, but then there's always like that week and a half between the semifinal, uh, which is on New Year's Eve, and the final, which is on Monday, January 10th in uh, the Colts Stadium in Indianapolis. Um, so if a team has an issue in that week and a half gap in between the semi and the final, then they actually can postpone the natty up to like four days to that Friday of that week following the Monday, January 10th when it's supposed to be. But after that, the Colts might be in the, looking like they will be in the NFL playoffs and Lucas Oil Stadium hosts a bunch of other just like conventions and probably concerts and big events. So they really can't count on postponing it any further than that. So that Friday, January 14th is the last possible day that the game can be played. So if one team does have an issue after they win the semifinal, it sounds like they'll push it back a few days if they can. But if COVID is, you know, messing up the whole team, I don't know if three or four days will be enough, not to mention not being able to practice and everything. And the ultimate doomsday scenario, if both teams have issues in between the semi and the final, they're just going to rule it a no contest, and there will be no national championship this season. So, any thoughts on those fun little scenarios, Will? Well, my opinion, I think I get it with the semifinal if one team is ruled out and, you know, um, the other advances to the national championship, but I really don't see... Like, if, say, the semifinals go great and then the two teams are set for the national championship and one team gets ruled out because of COVID or whatever, then the other's the national championship. I really just, like, don't see how – I don't – I mean, it can happen because that's the rules now, but it, that's – I don't know. That's – um that wouldn't be – valid to me really that wouldn't count as a national championship like I don't care if it's in a high school middle school football stadium two weeks later like I feel like you should play the ball game you know well that's just the thing obviously they're dealing with some potential scheduling issues at Lucas Oil Stadium if they have to postpone this but like you said you know just reschedule the national championship there for like a few years. I know they have this stuff booked out probably three seasons or whatever, but just put them next on the list. If you can't play the game on, you know, sometime that week in Lucas oil stadium and yeah, just find another football field. There's plenty around, right. you know, to play and the game on. So at least you can just play the game. You know, espe- Right. It's like, especially with how big it's like the national, it's the national championship. It's like, how are you not going to play that? Yeah, and there's so many stadiums that would be more than willing to host right? this ball game in their city. And, like, you know, usually these games are played in NFL stadiums, and by the time that mid to late January comes around, there's only a small handful of NFL teams that are still alive. You know, everyone else has been knocked out for some time at that point. Um, so I don't know. I hear you, but I don't know my, like, hopefully none of this happens. If it does, I guess the, like the most desirable out of all these bad situations would be Georgia, Michigan, and Cincinnati all having COVID outbreaks and Alabama just being, (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure everyone would really love that. Yeah. Uh, but no, really that, uh, hopefully we don't have to talk about this anymore. Um, but it is. Obviously, going to be on the uh, on the forefront of everyone's attention, just with how how this has been popping up the past couple weeks. But hopefully, we can go forward and not have too many more disruptions, especially in these semifinal games that'll eventually decide who gets the trophy at the end of the year. Right. Um. One more thing, especially like even in the semifinal game, if both teams get ruled out. I still feel like they should reschedule that and not make the other game the national championship. In basically any game that both teams on the same in the same game are ruled out, I feel like they definitely should reschedule it. Obviously, they aren't going to do that. They came out and said that basically if you get COVID, your season's done. So <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much over. Mask up. Yeah. All right, well, we'll move on now um, to the actual bowl games. And where else would we start other than Charlotte, North Carolina, for the Dukes-Mayo Bowl between UNC and the South Carolina Gamecocks? As interesting as this game is uh, from an X's and O's standpoint, 
uh, it would behoove me to start anywhere besides mentioning that both of these coaches have agreed to take a mayo bath <laughs> upon winning this bowl game. And if they don't, then I think we should, uh, you know, the fans of the game should storm the field, you know, <laughs> protest, whatever you can do. Stop buying Duke's Mayo if these players don't soak these coaches with mayonnaise. Will, do you find this uh, hilarious or disgusting? Because it's a rather polarizing condiment, especially when you're taking a bath in it, and uh, I've heard a lot of heated opinions on this one, so I want to see what you got. I definitely find it funny, um, just especially like the winner, like like hoisting the trophy just covered <laughs> covered in mayonnaise is like is the trophy like a like a mayonnaise thing what do you know what it is uh i don't remember so last year was the first year of uh the duke's mayo bowl sponsoring this game that was previously the belk bowl mm-hmm. and wisconsin won it and they were like dancing with the trophy and someone was filming it on instagram or whatever and they like dropped the trophy oh in the i feel like i remember room. that yeah let me uh let me look that up real quick to see what it see what it looks like. Yeah, it, it does look a lot like the Super Bowl trophy and it just has like a little Duke's Mayo thing on the uh on the bottom of it, but yeah, that does look a lot like the Lombardi. That's weird. No, I definitely think that like um especially since it already happened with the was it the potato bowl? Yeah, with the fries. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the fries. Like, I think that should become... That's a famous Idaho potato bowl, yep. you, sir. Um, excuse me. <laughs> but I think that should definitely become a thing where, like, whatever bowl you're in, like, dump the coach with, you know, like, whether it's cotton or oranges, like... Um, if it's food-themed, yeah, something definitely, tangible like mm-hmm. that, then why not? Unless you're, like... <laughs> Um, I don't know, in some, like, the PlayStation Bowl, can you imagine them just, like, dumping PlayStations on the <laughs> PS5s for <Yeah>. everybody? <laughs> yeah. Some fan would rush the, thing, rush the field and try to steal it. Right. Yeah, but this game should be a great atmosphere with both of these teams being really close uh, to the location of the game. Obviously, these teams are on very different trajectories. They're both 6-6, six and six, um, which is kind of shocking that UNC had that bad of a season. So they've been had a really disappointing year. They had dark horse playoff hopes, and if not that, at least, you know, certainly ACC championship aspirations. South Carolina, it's really surprising that they were able to make it to a bowl game. Beamer's done a really good job there this season. Um, UNC's getting nine points. They're the favorite in this game. And I kind of love South Carolina just with, I feel like the momentum they have is a lot better uh, going into this game than North Carolina. North Carolina's got a lot more just pure talent, but I kind of just, in situations like this, I like to ride with the team who seems a little more inspired and, you know, probably going to, South Carolina, you imagine, probably be a little more excited to play this bowl game than UNC who had their eyes on the playoff at the beginning of the season. And South Carolina, I mean, you know, their over-under win total is probably like four games, so they definitely weren't even supposed to make it to one, but they've had a really strong finish to the year after beating teams like Florida and Auburn. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I'm I'm going to say South Carolina in this game, especially another thing is they're both 6-6, six and six, but the big difference is North Carolina plays in the ACC and South Carolina plays in the SEC. That's true. Um. And so I definitely think that South Carolina has more. Did North Carolina beat Clemson? Uh, they didn't play. Oh, they didn't yeah. play. Okay. No. Um, no, Clemson then, did boat race South Carolina. This. Yeah, <laughs> but, that's true. Yeah. Um, no, but and then after South Carolina's win over Auburn, um, I think they were happy to get to a bowl game, and especially like you said, it's their cross state rival, North Carolina. So I think it's going to be um, they're going to be pumped up, and I think South Carolina covers this game. Moving on uh, to another classic. Uh, food-themed bowl game. Of course, that's the Cheez-It Bowl in Orlando now. This game has been moved like three times. Clemson and Iowa State, two other teams who definitely had playoff aspirations before they kind of crapped the bed uh, early this season. Clemson's a one-point favorite. This is a really interesting matchup because uh, Clemson has lost their offensive and defensive coordinator, as I think I discussed on the last episode. Iowa State pretty much has everything intact, but for as well-coached and, you know, senior 
of a team uh, as the Cyclones are. They just could not get it done consistently this year and ended up having a pretty pretty disappointing season like Clemson overall. So I kind of like Clemson. I mean, they've quietly finished this season pretty strong, um, but all of their coaching departures give me a little bit of pause. And I kind of like that Iowa State is at least still intact and is trying to finish the season on a good note as well. Um, but that's probably why this game is, you know, only a one-point spread in either direction because both of these teams, there's just a lot of unknowns and both still a little disappointed with the se- how the season ended, even if they um, – or how the season went overall, even if they finished strong. But um, Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Clemson in this game, mostly because um, if you give Dabo Sweeney a month, I think he can come up with a plan to beat Iowa State. Um, he's done it before in the college football playoffs, so I think he will handle it just fine in the Cheez-Its Bowl. Yeah, out of all the playoffs they've made, they've only lost in the semifinal once, once. and that was to Saban. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, so that's a good point, giving him that much time to prepare. Um, it'd be interesting to see how they how they do with other coordinators, but, I mean, they did finish the season on a pretty good note, even with how disappointing the first four to six weeks were. Uh, so next we have the Alamo Bowl, which is Oregon versus Oklahoma, a matchup that definitely looked a little more exciting a few weeks ago before their programs both got kind of blown up by coaching departures and whatnot. Oklahoma is a four and a half point favorite here. They'll definitely have the kind of home crowd advantage being so close to Texas and Oregon having to go all the way across the country. Um, I don't know. I don't really know how to feel about this yeah, one. I mean, I it's a cool matchup just from the, you know, the brands of the teams and everything. There's obviously going to be a lot of talent on the field. Uh, I know Thibodeau for Oregon is opting out. He's going to be a top probably two draft pick uh, for the NFL. But with both of these teams not having coaching regime, re- regimes from, you know, a month ago and, you know, Oklahoma's had some people transferring out and everything. So, I don't know. Do you have a feel on this one? Um, I don't know. I want it. This is, like, I feel like it's going to be, like, a three or four, definitely one score game, if not, like, a field goal game. Um, I can see, I want to say Oregon just because Oklahoma has just been so iffy all season um Oregon they've they kind of collapsed um after their went their huge win over Ohio State and who'd they lose to that put them out of the playoff well they lost to Stanford right it was really really bad mm-hmm. uh early in the year but that game went to overtime and it was kind of weird that mm-hmm. was in I think that was like week four it was early but then yeah. Utah beat them twice okay, Utah in right three weeks and they just got stomped okay I for, like it wasn't yeah, I forgot close about that. Either time. then I don't know I might say Oklahoma after remembering that <laughs> yeah they just did not finish on a good note yeah, neither did Oklahoma neither did Oklahoma so it makes it tough but I don't know I feel like Oklahoma has more quality wins and Oregon has three L's um, especially they just got their, uh, they just got beat badly by Utah. So I'm going to go probably with Oklahoma in this game. Yeah, that's a tough one. I've already made all my picks for the bull pick him, but that one, yeah, I don't even remember what I did and I might change my mind 10 times before the game's actually played. Uh, so we're going in mostly chronological order here. Um, just kind of hitting the games that we found the most interesting. We're going to skip over the semifinal for now and hit those two games at the very end. Next, we have Penn State and Arkansas in the Outback Bowl in Tampa, Florida. Uh, Penn State's a one-point favorite. They just locked up James Franklin on like one of those crazy 10-year, 100 million, whatever dollar deals. Arkansas has obviously had a pretty exciting season. Um, and this one is, uh, I think it's going to be a really good game. I tend to lean Arkansas here, although, you know, it could go either way, obviously, only a, a one-point spread, but I think I think this will probably be a, a pretty close, exciting game down the stretch, and I mean, I think I'll pick Arkansas, but it's probably a coin flip. No, I definitely think, um, I think I'm going to take I, t- I think I picked Arkansas in this game, but yeah, I think Arkansas will win this game. Um, a thing about Arkansas is they're very, their team is just big. Mm-hmm. Like they have just a ton, like their quarterback is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And another thing is, like, in the future, like, teams in the SEC that haven't been good in the past that are going to be good, the two teams I'm looking at are Tennessee and Arkansas. Um, You know, you got to think, I know you didn't write this game down, but if Auburn loses against Houston and, you know, they have another 6-6, 7-5 season next year, you got to think, like, that... Josh Heupel is gonna be out if he's not out after this year. You mean Har- Harson? Oh, Harson. Yep. Sorry. Um, and that's the thing you've talked about it also time and time again. The SEC has really become like a two-year coaching job where you got to get over like eight wins or you're gone. Um, just because if you're coaching the SEC, your expectations are to be a playoff top six team, really. Mm-hmm. And um. And it's just so competitive. But, yeah, definitely I think I'm going to take Arkansas. I like um, where they're standing, and I like their team. Next, we have the Fiesta Bowl. Notre Dame is a two-and-a-half-point favorite over Oklahoma State. This is one of the matchups I'm more excited about out of all these New Year's games. Uh, Like we said earlier, Notre Dame has a new head coach, and usually that would – kind of pushed me away from a team, but given that he was promoted from within and it seems like the players are really fired up uh, to be under his lead, it, you know, seems like I think Notre Dame will probably be a pretty popular pick here. Oklahoma State obviously was in the playoff discussion uh, even into December and they were, you know, that one inch crazy play away from beating Baylor and completing the comeback to win the Big 12 championship. This is another game that feels like a coin flip, which, you know, that's a that's a good thing. All these games could go either way. They're going to be exciting, probably. Um, I mean, Oklahoma State was really phenomenal this year. Just had a suffocating defense and could put up some points when they needed to. But I don't know. Um, it's it's going to be a good one. What, what do you think? I think I'm going to I'm going to say Oklahoma State in this one um, after their loss with Baylor in the conference championship that's another one it's like if Oklahoma you got to think about this it's like if Oklahoma State would have won that game do you think Georgia would have been bumped out of the playoffs because you gotta think it's one <laughs> it's one loss Oklahoma State conference championship and then it's undefeated Cincinnati conference champion and then one loss Georgia non-conference championship yeah we could do a whole episode yeah. on different little you know what if a couple games went the other way and it would have made the playoff committee's life really hard <laughs> I don't think they would have put Georgia out I yeah. mean it, that that just would have been really shocking after how dominant they were you know for 12 weeks in a row I think Cincinnati would have been holding their breath a little bit more, but you know, it is, it is what it is. So mm-hmm. thankfully for the Bearcats, um, Baylor was able to keep them a couple inches short, but no, but I'm going to take Oklahoma state. I think their whole, um, just the program is in a more stable position after like Brian Kelly leaving and like no one's expecting that. Um, I definitely think that Oklahoma state will be fired up as well as Notre Dame will be, but I also think Notre Dame is really overrated personally. Um, like they kind of have been the past six years, but I'm going to take Oklahoma state by a touchdown in this game. Yeah. It's a little surprising that Notre Dame's favored, um, in this ball game. I wouldn't have expected that before I looked at the lines and maybe that's changed a little bit after the Notre Dame hire with people kind of, you know, gassing them up a little bit, but I don't know. My gut's telling me Notre Dame, so I'll probably end up picking them for some reason. I don't know why. I'll probably regret it, too. Uh, But it should be a really fun one either way. Next, in the Citrus Bowl, Iowa and Kentucky are playing. Um, Will, do you think this game, do you think either team will score in the double digits? Yeah, I think it'll be it'll be like not not above twenty though. Um, I think you know it could very possibly be like a seventeen ten or like thirteen ten type of game or whatever. Um, I think the over under is forty four, which serious? is higher than I I thought it would be in like the thirties. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but I think I definitely like another team other than Arkansas and Tennessee is Kentucky. That those are the three teams. Kentucky had has a great year. really turned around their program um, 
this like last year and this year. What did they finish? What was the record? Eight and three. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I think they ended up with eight wins. Yeah, nine, no, or not, probably um, nine. But I think definitely if they get this win over Iowa, who has at one point was ranked second in the um. Second in college football. Yeah, they were. Yeah, um, but I think that will definitely like be a huge like win over the past decade for this program and really turn them around. So I'm rooting for the Wildcats, um, and give me them by, um, say a touchdown. Yeah, Kentucky finished the season nine and three. So Solid. that's phenomenal yeah. for Kentucky. I mean, Stoops does such a good job. Um, but, and yeah, this is a big, you know, even I was, even though I was not the biggest brand name or anything out there, there's still, a, you know, a solid team and everything And the citrus bowl out of all of the like non, you know, kind of bowl, like non new year six bowls, like the sugar bowl and mm-hmm. the, and the rose and cotton and all of that. The citrus bowl is considered to be kind of the biggest bowl game that just picks a couple of like at large teams. Mm-hmm. So this would be really enormous for Kentucky's program. Iowa too. I mean, yeah. I mean either one. Just winning this bowl. I mean, this is a big deal for both of these schools. Um, I'm gonna go with Kentucky because I just like their offense better. Yeah. Um, both defenses are pretty good. Iowa just kind of lives and dies on the turnovers, and I think Kentucky will be able to to outscore them, especially if they can get ahead by you know 10 points or something maybe in the second or third quarter make Iowa play from behind they're really not designed to do that uh so where we saw them struggle a lot down the stretch so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Kentucky but I could definitely see this still being like a you know 17 to 13 pretty low scoring affair and I'm certainly gonna touch that under 44 um now we have the Rose Bowl Ohio State who um you know ended the season getting their ass kicked by Michigan and Utah who ended the season kicking Oregon's ass <laughs> twice in three weeks. Uh, Ohio state is a six and a half point favorite here. You know, Ohio state looked like they were going to be in the playoff all the way up until week, uh, you know, 12 or game 12, whatever it was last week of the regular season when Michigan uh, beat them and therefore eliminated them from the Big Ten Championship. Um, So they were, you know, in effect, kicked out of the playoffs with that being their second loss. Uh, Ohio State has proven to struggle with really physical teams. Uh, Oregon bullied them. You know, that's... Oregon just ran the ball up and down the field in Columbus the whole game. Yeah, speaking of, we're watching the Rose Bowl commercial right now (laughs) during a break in the Camellia Bowl. Um, But... Oregon bullied them, Michigan bullied them, Utah is the type of team that bullies other people, so the Utah plus six and a half here is one of my more favorite picks of the whole the whole bowl slate this year. Um, I think that they're going to come out strong, this seems like it's going to be a little bit more exciting of a spot for Utah, who, you know, didn't really have playoff aspirations, they, had to, they really could have made it if they uh, didn't have such bad luck with their quarterback situation in September, uh, but with Ohio State kind of, kind of being in a letdown spot, having their eyes on the playoff all year, and if there's one bowl game to get fired up in the whole country that's not a playoff game, it's the Rose Bowl. Um, so, you know, I don't think they're going to come out and just lay a total dud, but, um, I, I, I kind of love the Utes and I wouldn't be surprised if they won this one outright. Um, I think that Ohio state will win the game, but if Utah did win, um, if Ohio state wins this game, you know, it's not, this is another game for Utah, kind of like the Kentucky game. It's like, if they beat Ohio state in the sugar bowl, it's like that would Rose be bowl. That's a, or, that's or, a, yeah, me, that's, Rose a bowl. that's a program. That would be changing like win. crazy. Yeah. Um, and they, that would put them in an amazing position for next season. So they're, they're really playing for next season as well. Um, Ohio state they're they're a really confusing team um you know we've seen them come out and play amazing and like especially the last few weeks before the michigan michigan game they just looked so solid they beat michigan state by like a thousand yeah they they scored like like 40 in the first like half um (laughs) no we, we were watching that game but 
Um, I do. Th- I like. I think Ohio State will win in this game, but I definitely think that I could see it going either way. If Utah does win, you know, Utah is going to be coming out, you know, just like on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, while I don't think Ohio State will be as much, but I do like Ohio State's um coaching staff more, and I think I trust them more than Utah's just with Ryan Day in general. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that'll be a good one on New Year's Day, of course. And the last one we'll get to before the semifinals is the Sugar Bowl on New Year's Day night. Uh, Baylor and Ole Miss. This one is probably the game I'm most excited for Mm -hmm. outside of the playoff. Um, Because like we were just saying with Kentucky and Utah, both of these teams are going to be really fired up to be in the Sugar Bowl. This is a huge spot for both programs. Baylor's had a little more success on the bigger stages than Ole Miss has recently. Um, but these are two really great offenses, and it's, I think that this game is going to have a lot of fireworks. Ole Miss is the one-point favorite um, in this in this matchup, but this is another just coin flip for me. Definitely. I mean, I, th- I you know it doesn't sound like there's going to be really many opt-outs or anything like Matt Corral even though he's going to be playing or getting drafted in the first round, he's still playing, um, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm happy for him and Ole Miss that they're going to get one last ride with their guy. Um, so I don't know, but Baylor's, you know, coming off, they just beat a tremendous Oklahoma on state team on a goal line stand. Like I mean, stand. that was awesome. And even though with how the rest of the games kind of played out on conference championship Saturday, Baylor never really was in the discussion to get in the playoff, but if a couple more weird things had happened down the stretch, they could have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, so both of these teams, man, um, I think they're going to come out really inspired for this game. You know that that stadium's going to be sold out probably with mm-hmm. how close both of these schools are to New Orleans and you know maybe that'll probably be one of the few places in America that isn't shutting down over New Year's yeah, I assume I'm sure Miami they'll they'll still be having all their fun in NOLA um but I don't know what do you think I I can't really I haven't I, made up my mind yet it's just yeah be fun. definitely um I don't have like a team I definitely think is gonna win I do like Ole Miss's offense but you it's like you look at both of these teams who did do you know who Baylor lost to um, let's check. So the Bears went 11-2, and two, and they lost to Oklahoma State in, like, week five, and then lost to TCU on Halloween weekend. You have to imagine that they're looking back at their season really happy with how it went. They're definitely a lot better than I think anyone expected them to be. But looking back at that TCU game and being like, damn, Dang. if we had only lost to Oklahoma State and then beat yeah. them later in the season in the conference championship game, then they deserve to be in the playoff, you know, really as much as anybody. Mm-hmm. And certainly would have had, you know, a discussion for that fourth spot. And I think they would have gotten in. I don't know over who. Again, that's a whole other whole other discussion for another podcast. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they had a really tremendous year. After looking at their schedule, and I just pulled up Ole Miss's schedule, um, I think I'm going to pull with the Bears in this game. Um, Looking at Ole Miss's schedule, the ranked opponents they played, um, firstly Alabama, they got beat by three scores. Arkansas, they only won by one point. Um, They lost to unranked Auburn, and the only ranked win other than that they have is against A&M and they won by 10 so seeing how closely they played ranked opponents is kind of concerning to me while Baylor has wins over now like recently towards the end of the season Oklahoma State and Oklahoma um and Iowa State and Iowa and Iowa State um that makes me want to think that Baylor can hang better with top ranked um, teams. So um, give me Baylor in this game. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, that's that's going to be a great one. I'm, I'm excited for it. Mm. So now we'll move on to the college football playoff uh, preview finally. Um, you want to start with Bama or Georgia? Start with Alabama. Okay, so Bama is a 13.5 point favorite over Cincinnati. This one is in Dallas at... Cowboys Stadium in the Cotton Bowl. 
Um, like I said earlier, Alabama's coaches, Bill O'Brien and Doug Marone, uh, both have contracted COVID. This came out, what, like three days ago, maybe on the 22nd or 23rd. Um, no indication suggests that anything has spread to other coaches or any okay. players, thankfully. So hopefully that remains the case. But with how delicate, you know, this variant has proven to be and contagious, uh, you know, just fingers crossed. And, you know, I mean, hopefully Cincinnati can stay healthy too because we just want to see you know, the ball game. So I don't know. Um, you know, obviously this is the what seventh playoff for Alabama making it every year since its inception, except for one, this is the first, not only Cincinnati appearance, but non power five, you know, other than Notre Dame, obviously schools. So Cincinnati, you know, while they've had a great undefeated season, um, I I don't know if they're feeling any pressure, kind of, you know, feel like they're representing all these other schools that have gotten close but been left out or didn't feel like they were being taken seriously. And, you know, if Cincinnati comes out here and just gets rolled, that's not going to bode well for any of the other UCFs or Boise States of the world. Even if they don't win, if they can just have it a good competitive ball game, I think that's going to make everyone feel a lot better about the group of five's chances to be taken seriously, at least while we have this four-team playoff for the next couple, four years, I don't know. But just give me your take on the game. How do you see it going? Um, just go for it. Um, no, definitely, like you said, Cincinnati is fighting for the future of college football. Um, like, are, they're joining, what, the Big Ten? The Big, Big Twelve, Big Ten. Big Ten, yes. yep. Yeah. Um, but for they're fighting for non-Power 5 teams. You know, it's like if they go in and lose by, like, over four or five scores, then obviously I don't think in the playoff era, the four-team playoff era, that we will see another Cincinnati or UCF, like you said. Um, most people didn't – sorry, most people didn't think – one would get in ever, yeah, ever in the four team right. format. So I mean, I am happy that mm-hmm. you know that happened. Um, but yeah, sorry, it just mm-hmm. it, the twelve team. It'll make everything different. But things have like this. It sounds like discussions have not been going great as far as adapting that quickly. Yeah. So it could be a few more seasons before that's adapted. So at least for the short term, immediate future, you know that a close game here could give the group of five possibly that could, you know, who knows I could make the, you know, make or break getting another group of five team in the playoff. But, um, yeah, but you know, if they keep it close and my, my score prediction, I see this being like a 38 to 10 Bama game, um, maybe 42 to 13 or 17, you know? Um, but if it is, if it comes down to like, even if Cincinnati only loses by 10 or 14, um, and they, you know, they're constantly scoring with Bama. Maybe Bama stays up a touchdown and then, or two touchdowns and Cincinnati just closes it. Then Bama goes again and they're just, you know, if they're scoring and they're putting up a game, then definitely I think that we'll see if, you know, if they go undefeated conference championship again next year, we could definitely see them again. But um, yeah, definitely just like what you said, they're fighting for all these other non-Power 5 teams should be rooting for them heavily. Um, but yeah, they also have nothing to lose. They're going to pull out every trick in their hat. Um, mm-hmm. This is the biggest game in their program history. While as to Alabama, it's not, it's not really close. Um, but yeah, that's so my score prediction, give me 38 to 10 Bama. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I didn't watch like a ton of Cincinnati this mm-hmm. year. And I watched usually, the game game and that was it. Yeah, I saw a little bit of that. And then usually when I was watching Cincinnati, it's because there was like, oh, they're only being Tulsa by yeah. three in the fourth quarter. What's right. up with that? Let's switch it over there on the second TV. So like a lot of my watching <laughs> Cincinnati, it really wasn't when they were doing really well. It was, oh my God, they're about, you know, are they going to lose to Tulane? Mm-hmm. Um but they've got a talented, good offense, talented QB, obviously, Desmond Ritter. Um, I think an interesting matchup 
to watch here. Cincinnati's secondary is really strong, and Alabama's receiving core, um, for as talented as it is, uh, they, we obviously just lost, lost John Mechie um, in the Georgia game for the rest of the playoff with an ACL. Uh, so, you know, Alabama, the backups have come in at times and, you know, had their moments here and there, but unlike most of the previous years, we haven't just had like four guys that were like NFL ready at all times. Mm -hmm. It was really Mechie and Jameson, and then there was a huge drop off to Slade Bolden and whoever else was, you know, coming in after that. So now it's really only going to be Jamison um, as far as super elite, like ready to play now uh, players go for the wide receiving core. You know, they have a lot of really talented underclassmen at receiver. Um, you know, there's Holden and Brooks, and I, I'm interested to see who steps up in that Mechi role because, um, you know, Brooks came in in the Auburn game to fill in when Jamison got ejected. But Mechie has a much more versatile kind of role that he plays in the offense um, as opposed to JMO. But I'm excited to see which freshman comes in and, uh, and you know, steps up. And I, I feel confident that one of them will. But it'll be a pretty tough task against that Cincinnati secondary. So, I don't know. I, I think I see it being a little more low scoring than you, probably a little bit closer. Just yeah, I mean, maybe like a thirty-one to seventeen, mm-hmm. you know, thirty-four twenty type of. So I guess you know, Bama by a couple scores, but I could see Cincinnati hanging around for two or three quarters, and maybe Bama getting a turnover, pulling away, mm-hmm. um, and it not being super close at the end, but. You know, at the end of the day, give Saban a month to prepare right. for a team that is inferior athletically. Um, and you know, I I'm not I'm not too worried. I just hope that we don't have to sweat it out down the stretch. But I I think we'll be okay. Um, is there? Do you know if there's any status report on Brian Robinson? Have you heard anything? I haven't heard anything. I think he'll be okay, given mm, how he, he was in playing more than I expected him to in that Georgia game. Um, so I think, you know, having basically a month off to rest, I think he'll be okay, but we really need him to be okay, especially if we win that game. Hopefully Definitely. he doesn't retweak anything. Uh, cause obviously I was talking about the receiver injuries, but we are thinner than thin ice at running back. So we're gonna, we're gonna need him in, in mm-hmm. these two games. We hopefully two games we have coming up next. Um, anything else on this before we move to the orange nope. bowl? You got anything? Nope. So Georgia, Michigan, I think everyone can probably agree unless Cincinnati shocks the world that this is the semifinal that the country is looking more forward to. Georgia is a seven and a half point favorite over Michigan. This is Georgia's second college football playoff uh, appearance. Obviously, both of their games in their first appearance, the semifinal versus Oklahoma in the Rose Bowl, and then the national championship against Alabama in Atlanta, were both all-time classics. Uh, Michigan, this is their first college football playoff appearance, obviously coming off of a monster uh, kind of program and career-changing win against Ohio State for Jim Harbaugh. Uh, they won the Big Ten for the first time since 2004. Uh, while so they're coming in, you know, just as hot as anybody is in the country. While Georgia, uh, you know, was number one almost wire to wire. I guess after Alabama lost to A&M, then Georgia was number one for the rest of the season. Looks like the clear cut best team in the country for almost the whole time. Um, and then you know as we've seen them do lay an egg in big, big spots uh, against Alabama in the SEC championship game. Uh, My first reaction is I really like, um, I really like Michigan and the seven and a half points that they're getting. I do think that overall Georgia is better than they appeared the last time that we saw them. And this, you know, that, Stinker of a performance that they put out there in the SEC championship probably lit a fire under their ass for the past month to work hard and try to redeem themselves after getting embarrassed down the road from their campus. 
Um, so I don't know. I think this is going to be kind of an old school slugfest. Both of these teams are really physical. Um, neither one has an offense that's just going to, you know, pass the ball all up and down the field and blow you away with that. But both teams are just very physical, run the ball, you know, a little more kind of old school, what you would think of old school Big Ten and SEC teams. So whatever you got for this game, just go ahead. Um, I like Georgia in this game. I think, like you said, how Georgia usually lays an egg, which the past, like, six years it's been against Alabama um I see that they've already done that in Michigan usually lays an egg they're they're ranked um you know sixth or fifth and then they play Ohio State and lose they beat Ohio State this year but I think this is the game where they lay the egg and um so I like um I don't I don't I I don't know about that line um I can see Michigan covering just because Georgia might win by a touchdown. Um, but I don't know. I could see this game. I think it'll be pretty high scoring, like in the 30s or 40s, maybe like a 10-point game, like, you know, 32-42 or something like that. Um, what What's your score prediction kind of like that? Definitely lower. I could see like a... Yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, I don't know. I, think... I, don't, I don't think Georgia will score 40 points, actually. Yeah. But I mean, maybe like thirty-two, twenty-two. Really good, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which is that's still pretty high scoring. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, I I know like my most recent impression of Georgia is the worst game they played all year. But mm-hmm. I like definitely said, that was the game that they could be like they know they mm-hmm. they got their egg out of the way basically. Yeah, I mean, possibly, you know, but just maybe saying. Michigan comes out and starts kicking their ass like Alabama did, you know, like mm-hmm. not saying that Michigan's offense is as good as Alabama's, but just from a physical standpoint, we saw what they did to Ohio State and, you know, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It's a tough one. I think I think it's going to be a very close ball game. I like sounds like I like Michigan to keep it a little bit closer than you do. Mm-hmm. Um I just, you know, don't know with Sets and Bennett. What if Michigan gets a lead um, at some point in the game and Georgia has to abandon? JT Daniels has COVID. Exactly. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm curious what they're thinking inside that program as far as put the COVID aside. If he was healthy, then, like, you know, do we switch to him? Do we let him start? Or do they say, okay, if we get down double digits against Michigan and we're going to put him in and see if he can come in and save our season. Um, I just, I don't know. And now they might not even have the luxury of choosing Mm because maybe he's just out for the game. There's a time for him to get back and uh, recover and test negative and play. But even still, he wouldn't have been practicing for more than, a day or two and at that point it's just going to be traveling and Mm -hmm. walkthroughs and everything so all that i don't know i mean i have a hard i have a hard time saying michigan is gonna win yeah that's what i'm thinking but i i i I see maybe a a 24 21 georgia victory and you know it coming down to the wire Mm -hmm. um i just i I just don't really trust stetson bennett against a defense that's gonna be up in his face like michigan's is but Um, it's a it's a tough one i don't know yeah this this game is really iffy um say michigan does lose do you think obviously not this year but it's like what do you think will like going forward with Harbaugh, just, like, he can't win the game, you know, the big, not... I don't know, but he just did. Like, Ohio State was, like, the thing that he had to get over. That's true. I mean... But the thing is, he's lost the past eight of them. Yeah, I know, I know, but (laughs) if, you know, I mean, as long as he doesn't lose the next state, if he can just... He doesn't have to beat them every year. If he can just win, like, one out of every three against them, then I think that's enough for these Michigan people to be happy (laughs) enough, you know? Because Ohio State's not going anywhere, mm-hmm. but I mean that if if Michigan loses to Georgia, you know, I mean, it obviously you don't want to get blown out or anything, mm-hmm. but I, I still think they're going to be pretty damn happy with their season, having beat Ohio right. State for the first time since like I think 2011, mm-hmm. winning the Big Ten for the first time since 2004, making the playoff for the first time ever, and if you lose, like. 
you know, them losing to Georgia, it'd be different if they lost to, like, Cincinnati, then they might be, like, really upset and salty about it, but losing to Georgia, like, they'll be upset in the moment, but then looking back on it, it's like, okay, well, that's a great team, so. Yeah. um, I think that this will still, no matter what happens, I think that they're poised to have a lot of good momentum, you know, going forward. Now, when they, will they continue it? I don't know, and I'm not going to say that they will or won't, but I'm not you know, betting my money on Michigan being consistently good. Um, But, you know, at least for now, they've gotten over, you know, the next two hurdles that were holding them back, Ohio State and winning the division slash Big Ten. So anything for the rest of the year, in my opinion, for Michigan is just icing on the cake. Yeah, talking about it, definitely I'm thinking lower lower scoring. Like, either t- I, I could see either team winning, like, 28-20 to 20 or, like, 28-23, you know? Just, mm-hmm. like, something like that. Um, I don't know. That's that's going to be a good one. You still like Georgia, though? Yeah. That change your mind? No. <laughs> a little bit? <laughs> I don't know, man. It's... <laughs> Yeah, Georgia. It's... I don't know. Georgia's kind of in like a just a weird position right now. Yeah, they and are. Michigan's on a good like they're on a good foot also. Mm-hmm. So yep, you know, we'll see. I'm excited for it. That wraps up everything. Unless you got anything else to talk about. Um, looking forward. Um, the next huge game that we're looking forward to. Um, Arizona and <laughs> Arizona and Texas Tech um were supposed to play last year in 2020. It got canceled um for COVID. Mark on your calendars got rescheduled for September 9th, 2034. So did they just reschedule this? Is yes, that two days you're... ago. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> um <laughs> so it took them a year and they pushed it back 14 years um after it was originally set to play. Um, thoughts? What are your thoughts on this game? I mean, I'm just <laughs> looking forward to the scene in Lubbock, Texas, on September 9th, 2034. That's what I'm uh, I can't wait. <laughs> it's it's like it's thriller. crazy how yeah. far they'll go. Yeah, that is. It's like why at that point, why don't you just cancel the game? That is pretty bizarre, but I mean, Alabama's got game schedule yeah, when I'm like, going to be in my 60s at this point. Yeah. So I don't know. I guess yeah. it's just the norm. Everyone, no one wants to be. Left out of getting a couple decent out-of-conference games, and, mm-hmm. you know, with those programs being more or less on the same level, it'll, you know, they just want to lock something in, even <laughs> if it's uh, 13 years away, so. Yep. yep. <laughs> That's all I like that. All right, guys. Well, thanks for everybody listening. Hope you have safe and enjoyable holiday season, and Merry Christmas.